of forgiveness. How that somewhere, someplace, sometime, you got to put some legs on it. You got to got to perform that action. And so we looked at that last week. Well, tonight we'll close the series with this thought of the motivation, the motivation of forgiveness. Why should I forgive? My, what a question. That many struggle with the answer. Paul gives Philemon verses 19 through 25 of why he should forgive. So let's all stand together. Amen. Let's read. Verse number 19. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. Now that would seem a little strange to you and I, but it's really not understanding. Paul used scribes and used friends and he used a lot of people. Most people, Paul's writings was very large letters, very large writing. And he believed he was almost blind. I, Paul, I've written it with my own hand. I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thine obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Thou salute thee, Epaparus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's go to the throne of grace. I'm going to ask Dean Eisenhower if you would please pray. Oh, yes. Amen. You'll be seated. The word motivation means to provide an incentive to move towards action. Let me give you two stories to help illustrate this tonight. Story number one, we want to call the heaviness of unforgiveness. Each week, Kevin Tanell is requested. I'm getting a ring. I've got a ring, an echo. Something's different. Okay. All right. Is that better? I'm getting a ring. Okay. Got it. Okay, good. Story one, heaviness of unforgiveness. Every week, Kevin Tennell is required to mail a dollar to a family he'd rather forget. They sued him for $1.5 million, but settled for $936 to be paid a dollar at a time. The family expects him Every Friday to send one dollar, to mail one dollar 
to this family on the first Friday of 1982, their daughter was killed by his negligence. He was convicted of manslaughter and drunken driving. He was 17, she was 18. Kevin Tennell served his, his course sentence, but then, and he also, for the next seven years, campaigned against drunk driving. Six more than his sentence required him to do so. But he kept forgetting to send this dollar. So, as a matter of fact, he, he, he literally went to the family and said, Listen, I'll deposit ten times that money into a scholarship in her memory. He went to him time and time again pleading that he understood and accepted responsibility, but pleaded for forgiveness. Yet the family said, We will not ever, ever, ever forgive. And we will expect that dollar until August of the year 2000. And we'll go back to court as much as we have to because we'll never forgive the heaviness of unforgiveness. I do not condone what he did at all. But the real tragedy is this family that continues to live in unforgiveness. Let me tell you story number two. The dynamic story of forgiveness. Donald Tippett, a bishop, was in his office one day when two men dropped in hoping to establish an alibi for their planned robbery. When the preacher took a phone call in another room, the young men feared he had sized them up. So they attacked him with brass knuckles, permanently putting out his left eye. When the two men came to trial, Tippett went and pleaded on their behalf for reduced sentence. He visited them regularly in prison. And after the young men were released, he helped them financially to further their education and eventually saw that one become very successful in business. Tippett expressed his forgiveness of these men by preserving, persevering in returning good for evil. Now which story represents you tonight? What is the motive of forgiveness? Why should I forgive? Those of you tonight that harbor in your heart unforgiveness, why should you forgive? Why should you? Well, Paul tells Philemon why he should. Motivation number one was this, debt. Paul said, I have written with my own hand, I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. What Paul was saying was this, 
Paul was saying, Jesus came by one day and saved me by His marvelous grace. I owe a debt. I owe a debt. Where'd Jesus find you, by the way? I have talked to many of, most of you down through the years, and I have heard your stories. And many of you have made statements to me like this. If, they, if, if, if something happened or something took place in your life, you say, if you just knew me back then, you would have known that what I was and where Jesus found you. Paul comes to him. He says, here's the motivation for forgiveness. I owe a debt. Paul said, I owe a debt. He said, by the way, he said, I didn't use a scribe. I didn't use a friend. He said, I took my own hand and pinned her down for you. He said, I signed it with my own hand. He said, I owe you a debt, Philemon. Why you ought to forgive? Then he looks to Philemon. He said, by the way, Philemon, do you remember when you trusted Jesus as Savior? And the fact that he saved you, we owe a debt. Sir Thomas More, he was Lord Chancellor of England under Henry VIII. And he spoke these words to the judges who unjustly condemned him to death. Here's what he said. As the blessed apostle Paul consented to the death of St. Stephen's and kept their clothes that stoned him to death, Yet be they now twain holy saints in heaven, and shall continue their friends forever. So I verily trust, and shall therefore rightly hardly pray, that though your lordships have now here in earth been judged to my condemnation, we may yet hereafter in heaven merrily all meet together to an everlasting salvation. Can I just put this in his language? He said, you're going to kill me, but I hope one day, just like Paul and Stephen, we be together worshiping God in heaven together as, free, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he's just saying. Well, I want to stay. He went on and talked about the words of Stephen. Stephen in Acts 7 and verse 60, he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Most believe that the apostle Paul was the one that gave the order to stone Stephen. Luke 23, 34, and Jesus, it said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. How many of you know tonight, I, beyond a doubt, you know Jesus as your Savior. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Tonight, you're a dead. You're a dead. And don't miss this. You can't pay that debt. If you could have paid it, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died. So he comes and Paul gives insight to the motives of forgiveness. And here's what he's just saying. He's just saying, he said, now, now Philemon, Philemon, the motive of your forgiveness ought to be dead. And I believe it's, to, it's meant to be that final push to move the heart of Philemon to forgive Onesimus. I, I believe we can discern at least six motives why we ought to forgive others. Number one, the recognition of an unpayable debt. See, you're lost on the road to hell. And you better get a hold of this. If you happen to be here tonight and you're in this place, 
I don't care how good. I mean, yes, the good, good flows out of every pore of your skin. You'll die good to hell if you've never seen yourself a sinner. And Jesus a Savior. Are you listening? If you have never seen yourself a sinner, hell, de- hell, de- hell was your home. Nothing good about you. If you've never seen yourself in that place, you are deceived. And one day you'll wake up lost. And you'll be left behind. I'm going to tell you the day. You know why we ought to forgive? Because the responsibility, the recognition of an unpayable debt. I was lost. My goodness, my works, nothing I could do. I, I couldn't do enough to get saved. And Jesus said, I'll just take you where you are. I'll tell you where you are. Number two, the possibility of being blessed and of being a blessing to others. The possibility of being blessed and being a blessing to others. Nothing, nothing, nothing will cut off the pipeline of blessings from God like unforgiveness in your heart. Number three, the necessity of obedience. Number four, the acknowledging of the accountability and the importance of a fellowship. Paul said, I'm going to write this in my own handwriting. I'm going to write this down myself. And so the debt was owed on both accounts. Onesimus owed a physical debt. He'd stolen from Philemon. So he owed a physical debt, but Philemon owed a spiritual debt. Onesimus owed a temporal debt, but Philemon an eternal debt. This past week, this past week, years, years ago, I had, a, I had a fella and owed me some money and uh, never did pay that money. And this week I, I heard he died. And uh, I believe he's probably a good man, probably a Christian man. And, I, and, and the moment I heard that, I hadn't thought about it in years, and I thought, you know, don't mean nothing now. Don't mean a thing. Don't miss this. Forgive, because you've been forgiven much. Forgiveness is taking responsibility from my side to release the offender from the effect of the offense of our relationship. Let me... Let me just get that down where we all get it. It is this. It is, no matter how you have treated me, I'm going to forgive because I'm not living there. I'm not living there. Forgiveness is taking responsibility. And by the way, when there's an offense, 99.9.9.9.9%, it's never one-sided. Usually both parties are guilty. Forgiveness is taking responsibility. So, well, it's all their fault. Well, then you've all, you need to take on the responsibility. you got forgiveness. You want to do your part. So we find taking responsibility from my side to release the offender. So who are we indebted to? What we're indebted to the Lord? Many of you are indebted to a wife. You'd probably be dead if it wasn't for her. A husband, 
children, church, friends. And sometimes even our enemies we're indebted to. The point is, we look around. We look around. We're all indebted to someone. And in light of our debt to God, just, just stay there. In, in light of our debt to God, how we ought to forgive one another and forgive others. Motivation number two. Motivation of blessing. Paul said, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. He said, Philemon, would you be a blessing to me and forgive Onesimus? Someone is wisely saying, finding the freedom to forgive brings great benefit. Forgiveness releases us from carrying the weight of judgment in our hearts. And it frees us, it frees us from corrosive, like battery acid, corrosive effect of anger and bitterness on our bodies and souls. Unforgiveness is unhealthy. Yet a person of faith, our motives for forgiving offenders goes way beyond being healed ourselves. Philemon had been a blessing to a lot of people. Verse number 7, We have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Here she said, Well, you've been a blessing to everybody around us. Here's what he's just saying. Now Paul's saying, I, I, I need to receive a blessing from you. I need to receive a blessing from you, Philemon. He said, And by forgiving Onesimus, Philemon would benefit Paul by bringing joy because of his example of obedience and love to the church. Number two, by forgiving Onesimus, Philemon would maintain, maintain the unity in, in, in this church. And Paul said, that bring me great joy. And so he comes and he says, Philemon, it's a, one of the motivations of, of forgiveness is being a blessing. It is, it is almost impossible to be a blessing to others when you're carrying around anger, unforgiveness that leads to bitterness, that leads to anger to everybody else. It's hard to be a blessing. It really is. Are you, are we a blessing to others in our forgiveness? Or are we a hindrance in our unforgiveness? See, when we, as a part of our church, forgive, God pronounces a blessing that we're doing what we should be doing. So the motivation for, for forgiveness is dead. How many of you have been saved again? How many of you are saved? Your debt. Do you pay your debts? Do you? Then you're dead. And I'm going to be honest with you. I said this last week. Nobody has done to you what we did to Jesus. I said nobody has done to you what we did to Jesus. Amen. Third motivation. Obedience. Paul said this. 
having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt do also more than I say. Here's what Onesimus, I mean Philemon, I know you'll obey God and forgive. And by the way, that is a command, and it's disobedience when we don't forgive. It's disobedience. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, forgiveness is perhaps the greatest sign of the vitality or the realness of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't don't miss this. Boy, the Holy Spirit's in my life, not in a heart of unforgiveness. You're asking him to do something he doesn't do. He doesn't manifest himself in that. And he won't. So tonight, if we want, we want the, the Spirit and the power of God to move in our midst and move in our church and move in our lives, then there's an obedience to forgiveness there. Paul says, now I've got confidence. I love this. Paul said, I've got confidence in Philemon that he'll obey what God wants him to do. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Don't miss this. It's so important. Obligation may be the point of our obedience, but it ought to be love. We love God because Christ has forgiven us. Therefore, let us love forgiveness and become obedient. Colossians 3, 12, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Who's are we? We're the elect of God, the forgiven. What do we wear? We outfit ourselves with tender mercies and kindness and humility and forgiveness. What do we do? Forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. Forgiving others is rooted in God's forgiveness of us. Number four. Motivation of accountability. Paul said this. And there's a, this verse threw me for a little while when I read it. Paul said, Withal prepare me also a lodging. And I thought, seems out of place. Why'd he stick that verse there? Here's what Paul's saying. Make me a place to stay because I'm going to come to see Philemon, if you've done it. He said, when I get there, first thing I want to ask you about is, did you forgive Onesimus? I, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be given unto you. Here's what he said. He's simply saying this. He said, Philemon, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you accountable. Here tonight... Who are you accountable to? I was thinking about this, and it is so sad. It's so sad. I've I, known people. I, I remember meeting with an old man in my office, and, and we, we would meet. He would come, and, and, uh, and I, I just grew to love this old man. Now, me and him doctrinally didn't agree on everything, and... And, and I would tell him, I'd say, now, sir, me and you don't, we're not going to agree on that. He said, I know. 
But he said, I'm going to love you anyway. Well, I said, well, I'm going to love you anyway too. And he just did, we just clicked. But he would come and talk to me hours. And I believe now, I didn't, I didn't get it then, but I believe now he knew he didn't have many days left. And his great, his great burden was that uh, those in his family wouldn't forgive. And right now that family is so fractured that a daughter's not even allowed in the home. How fractured. And it's so sad because it really shouldn't be that way. And, and I'm honest with you, life is so short, folks. It, it's, it's just going so quickly. Uh, and and when, we get, when we get to that place of time to go to the house, I promise a lot of things that we're holding on to and, and won't forgive over. It's not going to be important. Here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to get a hold of, though, is you might be losing precious time to make it right. So when you have opportunity, Paul comes along and he says, I'm going to check you out. And I want to know, did you forgive or did you not forgive? And in this day and age, there's one thing we don't like, is it accountability. We like the free will to doing what we want to do when we want to do it. But in the kingdom of God, it always brings accountability. Romans 14, 12, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Don't miss this. When you stand before God, you're not going to look to God and say, they've done this, they've done this, they've done this. They've done this. All he's going to do is show you them nail scarred hands and say, now, what, what, what did they do? He may pull back that robe and let you see his side and say, now this is what I did for you and forgave you of your sins. So what did they do that you wouldn't forgive? Because most of the time, unforgiveness is built on materialism that you're not going to take with you, all right? So accountability. He said, I hope through my prayers that I shall be given you. James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not only that, Paul said this, the motivation was dead. The motivation was blessed. The motivation was obedience and accountability. But then he, he, he comes and he throws another verse in here. And this one just kind of threw me as well. Therefore, salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. There is the motivation of fellowship. Here's what he's just saying. He said, all these people, he's reminding Philemon, he's reminding Philemon this. Philemon... Salute Epaphras. He's in prison with me, serving Jesus. He's there. He said, And Marcus and Aristarchus and Damon Lucas, my fellow laborer, the people around you, he said, the people around you are going to be affected if you don't forgive. Are you listening? The people around you, the people around you, Marcus, Aristarchus, 
Lucas, I hope he's better than Demas. Amen. Demas forsook him, loving his present evil world. Hanging out, Demas. So I don't know about you, but with the people I have around me, I can't afford not to forgive you, no matter what people do. Somebody's watching. They, you're not going to get nowhere with what you say if you don't put on display a forgiving spirit. They won't, they won't really care. But this is what really gets interesting. When you don't have, you're not willing to forgive, what kind of spirit are you bringing into that home? What kind of spirit do you think them young is going to have? What, do you, what kind of spirit do you think they're going to have? Do you think they're going to get wronged in life? If you don't have a forgiving spirit, don't be alarmed that they don't. They'll have an unforgiving spirit as well. And it just goes on and on and on. There's four valuable truths of fellowship here tonight. Number one, we're not alone. We are part of one another where none of us is alone. Nobody's an island. Nobody gets through this by yourself. We're, we're not alone. We're all part. Of everybody's life touches somebody else's life. Everybody's life. I put on all the teachers' tables. I hope you got it. The story on the hand. Because everyone touches somebody else. Number two. We cannot act independently of each other. Are you listening? Young people, are you listening? I know you're strong now. I know you don't think you need somebody else, but you do. We all need other people. We can't act independently of each other. When you act independently, would you just pay attention and get this? Anytime Satan destroys someone, every single time, he isolates that person away from the group. He isolates them. When He isolates you by yourself, then He destroys you. As long as you're with the group, He has a much harder time ever destroying anyone. Number three, we're responsible to each other to create the atmosphere of forgiveness. We're responsible. I'm sorry you were hurt. I'm sorry you were mistreated. I'm sorry you were lied about. I'm sorry that they were so sorry. But I'm telling you, God forgive. Not for their sake. Not for their sake. But for your sake. For your sake. Not there's yours. And sometimes people, we live in a world that's wicked and, and cruel and lost people are wicked and cruel. And they'll do stuff that hurts and, and wicked and wrong and lie and all that kind of stuff. But I refuse to live in their world and be like them. So I'm going to forgive because I'm not joining them in that world. Number four, fellowship with God and His family moves us 
to forgive. Fellowship with God and each other moves us to forgive. Because when you don't forgive, here's what happens. Don't miss this. When you don't forgive, everybody look up here this way. Look up here, pay attention. Look up this way. Here's what happens. When you don't forgive, you become a victim. Poor me. So mystery. Poor me, poor me, poor me. I'm going to tell you something. Now, don't miss this. I can take you to at least three people's homes tonight that have become victims. And it's like an empty hole. No matter how much you pour into it, nothing never changes it. Nothing. Because it's an empty hole. I have tried jumping in that hole to say, let me help you get out. Don't miss this. After wearing out two automobiles, two automobiles, I realized I go over to the hole, come by to see you. How you doing? We ain't seen you in a while. Don't you love me no more? Yes, I do, but I'm sorry. I can't live with you in your hole. You're a victim. I can't join you there. If I join you there and stay too long, then when I go back to the house, I take this victim mentality with me. And oh my goodness, everything's terrible. And I'm not going to do that. I love those people. It's not that I don't love them. I just know I can't change it. Because they don't want it changed. Victim mentality. Poor me. My daddy, my mama done this. I got this. I got that. I got. And the list goes on and on. And some of it's legitimate. I'm just saying you can't become a victim. And unforgiveness will move you to becoming a victim. And I'm honest. I've never gone in by the hole. Then he concludes with this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your, I notice, your spirit. Amen. Philemon knew we would take God's grace working in him to enable him to do this. We, 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 can't, we can't forgive. There's, it's not in your nature to be forgiven. It's not in my nature to be forgiven. It takes something from God to move us to forgive. By forgiving and accepting to the fellowship a former slave who had, who had stole from him, he stole from me. To accept him would take God's grace in Philemon's life. Now, if I look up this way, in this entire chapter, would you please tell me what he's told Onesimus to do? except go back. Do you, do you realize? I've been wronged! There's nothing for what they need to do. It's not on their end to do it, especially if they're lost. God didn't start with Onesimus. He started with Philemon, the Christian. The one that's supposed to love God. 
He didn't start with Onesimus. I've been hunting for him to blast Onesimus this whole story. I mean, standing up till I saw it good for nothing, low down skunk he was. He was a slave and he stole from him. And he, and he gets saved. And Paul says, you go back. And he spends a whole chapter talking to Philemon. God comes tonight and says, we ain't going to talk about what somebody's done to you. We talking to you. I'm talking to you. God says, I'm talking to you. Have you got the character? You give the action? Have you got, we accept the motivation. You're a dad? You want to be a blessing? You want to obey God? You want to obey God? Ah, oh, he says, start with you. Not the one that's wronged you. Say, come to me. God didn't start there. I'm sorry. I know. I, you know, the, the Bible messes me up. I want to start on Nesimus and blast him good. It ain't there. Unless I write chapter number two myself. It's not there. So if we just take the Bible for what it says, God says, you know why? Because Onesimus just got saved. Onesimus shouldn't be expected out of the grace. But Philemon had been saved a long time. Grace is a fertile ground in which forgiveness grows out of. Grace motivates us to forgive, and grace is, is dispensed in forgiveness. Many barriers come up between people but God can break all, break all them barriers down, take down all them walls and change Onesimus' relationship with Philemon from slave to brother. In the same manner, Christ tonight can transform our hopeless relationships into deep loving friendships that last forever. If, you, if, there's, if you're saved and they're saved... My goodness, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? God's law puts you in side by side, neighbors. It's all standard feet, every head bowed, and every eye closed. Amen. Here tonight, would you all?